2 Kings chapter 17. Let's stand together, please, for the reading of the Word of God. Thank you again for being faithful to the Sunday night service and being here and, and faithful to the Lord and faithful to the Bible. What a blessing. 2 Kings 17, verse 18 says, Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. We may get to this, but just in case we don't, in the scripture, he removed them by them being taken captive to the Assyrians' empire. And the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Judah, at this time, is a part of the southern kingdom. Judah basically was made up of the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. The other ten tribes, the northern tribes, were Israel. That's why he makes the distinction here in verse 18. The Lord was very angry with Israel, the northern kingdom, and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. And then verse 19. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. I think that's a very interesting dynamic here. Israel has so rebelled against God that God has removed them away. They've been taken captive to the Assyrians. Judah is the only one left in what we know is the country, the nation, what was Canaan, now Israel. But Judah is not obeying God. They kept not the commandments of God, but they walked in the statutes of Israel who had been taken captive because of their disobedience. Are you following me? You got it? Now I'm going to, for the benefit of those who are taking our homiletics class, I'm going to preach a sermon like you're never supposed to preach a sermon, okay? Just let you know, I know what I'm about to do. And it's not what I've been teaching you to do, okay? Let's pray and we'll get into the scripture. Lord, thank you for your word. And we pray that you'd help us tonight. Help us to learn the Bible. Help us to apply. God, give us wisdom. Give us guidance. Open our eyes. Lord, we pray that you would grant all of us a hunger not only to know the Bible, but to obey the Bible. To live by not bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a lot in this verse or two here about about commandments, about commands. Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord. They didn't obey the Lord. They disobeyed God's commands. Now I'm gonna, I want to talk for a little bit tonight about the importance of respecting commands. And, you know, you would think, one would think, that this, this common knowledge, the importance of following God's commands... But I want to just, I just really want to reinforce tonight how serious it is when God's commands are given that we obey them. And when God's commands are given and we disobey them, it is a serious matter. In the study of theology, if you were to take a class on theology uh, where you, we learn the basic 
theologies necessary for a good Bible foundation, the theology of God, the theology of Christ, uh, the theology of the Holy Spirit, the, the study of the church, uh, ecclesiology, the study of end times, eschatology. You're going to study these various things. You're going to study about the doctrine of man, but you're going to study the doctrine of sin. The technical word is homarchiology. It's, a, it's, the, it's the study of sin. Now you'd think, you would think that we're so familiar with sin that we wouldn't have to study about the doctrine of sin. But I tell you, it, it, is, it is important that, that we understand about sin. And we know some things about sin. We know that it was sin, it's sin that separates us from God. Uh, sin is the reason Jesus came and died on the cross. Sin is not just a little uh-oh. Sin is direct rebellion against God. Sinners who are not born again are going to go to hell forever. Sin is an important thing. And while I say that, I, I look at the eyes of some people and their body language tells me they're not really listening to what I'm saying, but I'm telling you, sin is a serious matter. And how do we view, how do you view your sin? Now, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go a lot of different places in the scripture tonight and talk about several different things, but all of them have to do with this subject. Whose commands should we follow? Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord, but walked in the statutes of Israel. Whose commands should we follow? I read an interesting um, story about Charles Shelton. He was a preacher who wrote uh, his most famous work, In His Steps. And every time I say that, I say, if you haven't read it, you ought to read it. You know, it's about this preacher that challenged his congregation to go for a year and ask this question about everything they did, what would Jesus do? It's a great book, In His Steps. But once this preacher, Sheldon, uh, was kind of act, asked, sort of impromptu, to preach at an insane asylum. And... He asked the director, the superintendent, this question. He was, you know, it's a, it a challenge, right? To preach. I mean, I get to do it a lot, but I mean, no. <laughs> to preach at an insane asylum. Um, he asked him, what would you advise me to preach on? And this is what he said. This is a quote. Preach on the great need of obedience. And when the service was over, Sheldon asked the man, he said, how much... Did you think they understood what I was saying, these people? And he said, the director says, they understood nearly all of it. And he says, besides, he's talking to the preacher, you have to remember that there were more than 50 of us, doctors and attendants, who were sane. And he says, I don't know but what we need the doctrine of obedience preached into us just as much as the other people. But then he said this, I know that disobedience to God's laws has brought most of these people into this asylum. And the rest of us are in danger of the same end if we do not learn to obey the commands of God. That's a, quite an observation, isn't it? For someone who's the director of an insane asylum saying, and by the way, you may think it's an exaggeration. I preached a message once called The Insanity of Sin. 
And the only way to explain the darkness, the, the rebellion, the wickedness of our culture is to realize it's because people have turned away from God and away from the commandments of God and God has given them up to blindness and a rebellion and a reprobate mind. So I'm talking about how we view sin. We see it in our text. I'll come back to that in a moment. Now, I wanna, I'm going to take a little aside here and talk about this matter of commandments, but I want to ask a question and then answer it. Is there a difference when God's commands are disobeyed in the Old Testament and when God's commands are disobeyed in the New Testament? Because I personally believe that people read the Bible and see how God judged sin so severely in the Old Testament and they have this idea that God has changed. His attitude about sin has changed. He doesn't see sin the same way. Even people who profess to be saved seem to, I'm not saying everybody, obviously, but a lot of people, it's like they don't really think that sin is all that serious. But God hasn't changed. You know, if you were to take your uh, concordance or your Bible study software and just look up the word commandment or commandments, you would see that it's found many commandments are found many times in the New Testament. Now, when we think about the Old Testament, we think about the Mosaic Law, not just the, 20, the, the, the Big Ten, the Ten Commandments, but all the statutes, all the rules, all the things that they were lived by, and we have this idea that God had all these laws and commandments in the Old Testament, but God doesn't really have commandments in the New Testament. But I'm going to tell you, that's not true. It's not true. I'm going to go to some New Testament passage. I'm going to come back to 2 Kings. So please mark that if you would. And go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 17. Jesus is speaking and he says this. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus didn't come to destroy the law or the prophets. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. And then verse 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so. He shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be great in the kingdom of heaven. Now Jesus is saying that these commandments still matter. And if a person, if a person teaches someone to disregard God's commandments, that person is going to be held accountable for that. Right? That's what he's teaching us. This is, I think this is worth serious consideration. I don't know if it's accurate to say there's an anti-law sentiment among believers today. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about people in this room. I'm talking about in general. Anti-law may be an exaggeration. I don't know. Part of it's because of the emphasis on the grace of God that many people act like laws don't matter. 
We're under grace. We don't, have to, we don't have to obey those laws. Those laws, those Old Testament laws, God's laws, those things don't matter to us. We're under grace. I'm going to tell you, that is error. That's heresy. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, keep my what? Commandments. Commandments. Not suggestions. Commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. Go to John, John 14. I just read that quote from there. But look in John 14 and verse 21. And I'm going to rapid fire go through several passages here in the New Testament. John 14, 21. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. You know how to tell people that love Jesus? They have his commandments and they keep them. Not they say I love him. No, they show they love him by obeying his commandments. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Go to the right a little further, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. You have John and then Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, chapter 14, and verse 37. You guys ought to be turning the pages of your Bible and looking at the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 37. If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. If a person thinks himself to be spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. Is that what your Bible says? They're God's commandments. They're not suggestions. They're commands. That means they're given by God and they're intended to be obeyed. Turn to the right from there a little bit to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 1 says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received of us, Paul says, as you have received of us how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. We gave you these commandments. They're commandments. You may, you may think, why are you emphasizing this so much? Because I just feel certainly that many people are being brainwashed into believing that we don't have to think about commandments anymore. It's not just Old Testament, it's New Testament as well. Go to 1 John. 1 John, the near the back of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 2. We'll look at several passages in 1 John. But 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3, John the Beloved writes and says, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. If I was sitting in this room tonight and I was not a committed, intentional, obedient Christian obeying the commandments of God. If I didn't know that I was an obedient Christian obeying diligently the commandments of God, then I would consider my salvation suspect. Because he says, we know we know him if we keep his commandments. If you go around always disobeying God, disregarding God, you have no reason to believe that you're saved. We know we know him if we keep his commandments. And then the next verse says, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar. And the truth is not in him. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? 
I think it is. Turn the page, if you would, to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. You're breaking the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifested. Notice this. Why was Jesus manifested? Not to, just to forgive us our sin. He was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. You know why he was manifested? To get the sin out of my life. Right? It's pretty interesting. God uses this matter of commandments often in the scripture. So here's the question then. With that in mind, what should be the Christian's attitude and response to God's commandments? What should be our response to God's commandments? If you're in 1 John, go to 1 John chapter 5. Here's a, here's a good Bible answer to that question. 1 John 5 and verse 3. And this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. God's commands are not burdensome. They're good for us. That's the attitude a Christian ought to have to commands. Not, I don't have to be under the law. I don't have to follow commands. We're not into laws. We're not into rules. We're not into commandments. We're into grace. I'm into grace too. But that doesn't mean you disregard God's commands. Lawlessness, lawlessness being against laws. Lawlessness is a part of our inherited sinful nature. I am lawless by nature. I don't like people telling me what to do. I don't like commands. I don't like rules. That's my, that's your, and if you're living in that, then you're living in your sinful nature. You're not saved. A, law, a person who does not regard, respect the law has to question, am I really saved? But obedience is the nature of the new man we are in Christ. It did, it's not like we forced ourselves to get out of this mindset of being selfish and rebellious and forced ourselves into a mold of life. No, it's a, it's a divine change that happens in a person's heart when they get saved. And explaining this in Romans chapter 7, Paul said this, I delight in the law of God. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. My, there's a piece of there's somebody inside me that loves to obey God. Do you have somebody inside you that loves to obey God? Lawlessness against the laws. That's the, that's, that's the Adamic, it came from Adam, the Adamic nature, the fallen nature. Wanting to please God, wanting to obey God, wanting to do right by God, that's the new nature. I'm not saying that Christians don't struggle with the flesh, we all do. I'm not saying we don't. Now, God's view of sin, this is the reason for this New Testament excursion we took from our passage. God's view of sin hasn't changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It hasn't changed. God still, God still feels the same way about sin as He has always felt about sin. In 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. Keep in mind, the Corinthian church was a Gentile church made up 
in a city. Corinth was a noted, notorious city of idolatry. They're idol worshipers. They're Gentiles. They're not Jewish people. And Paul wrote to that Jewish, I mean to that Gentile church in a wicked, wicked city that was just being formed. And he wrote to them about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, about how God led his people out of Israel and how they were all baptized under, under that one, the cloud and all the people. Remember that story? He told them all these things. And he, said he, and he said he wrote these things for our examples that we would not be idolaters. And yet, I would venture to say, if I were to take a poll tonight, there are a considerable number maybe here that just hardly ever read in the Old Testament because you don't really think it's relevant. God said all those things are for our admonition. They were written for us. Why? Because God intended for us to learn from them. We learn a lot. Of, I learn a lot about myself. I learn a lot about God. We learn a lot about our, our world by studying those Old Testament Passages. I'm not, I'm not here tonight to really try to force you into an Old Testament mode, but I love the Old Testament because it helps me so much, but God intended for it to be that way. Jesus referred to the Old Testament in, in supporting his teachings, the things he was conveying to the people. The apostles often referred to the Old Testament. When Paul said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, the Scripture he's talking about was Old Testament. God hadn't changed. His view of sin has not changed. To disregard these Old Testament truths is wrong for a variety of reasons. Now, let me just say this. And I'm going to go back to our text. When the New Testament teaches something that nullifies, I think that would be a good word, nullifies something in the Old Testament, then that means we don't live that anymore. I'll give you an example. In the Old Testament, they worshiped on the seventh day, on the Sabbath day. In the New Testament, it's clearly taught we worship on the first day of the week. We don't hold to that Old Testament. Those dietary laws of the Old Testament, if not just once or twice, numerous places in the New Testament, where it says you can receive it with thanksgiving. It's good for you. Frog legs won't hurt you a bit. Catfish. I can preach on and on. <laughs> You know why I say that? I'm not, I'm not disrespecting the Old Testament. The New Testament tells us that those things had their purpose, but that purpose has been fulfilled. All the different worships, the feasts, those kind of things. But people have the idea that if it doesn't spell it out in the New Testament, it doesn't matter anymore. I'm going to give you a Hebrew word for what, how I would explain that. Fui. <laughs> but people they'll say this they'll say like well I never found where Jesus taught you had to tithe so I don't, they're taking and saying if the New Testament doesn't explicitly say it then it must not matter that's not taught in the Bible you're not rightly dividing the word of truth Jesus had a great opportunity when the subject of tithing came up to say, we don't do that anymore, and he didn't. He said, such, he said that's a good thing what they did was tithe. I'm just you, saying, you, the Old Testament, the laws, the commandments, the things, they matter to us. So let's go back to our text. 2 Kings chapter 17. And I'm, 
just to put your mind at ease, we're almost finished. When I read this passage, I've been thinking about this passage for a long time. I want to read the verses again, 18 and 19. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. God was angry with Israel, 2 Kings 17 and verse 18. The Lord was angry with Israel, removed them out of his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Also Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. Judah did not keep God's commandments, but they walked in the statutes that Israel made. Was Israel walking in the God's commandments? No, they were making up their own rules. They were worshiping as they saw fit, and they were, and they were majorly influenced and affected by the Canaanites. And it gets horrible when you look at what they did. They were eventually burning their own babies in sacrifices to false gods. That's how far it went. Where did they get that? Did these Israelites, did they get that from God? No. They got it from the Canaanites. And because of their rebellion, God allowed the Assyrian army, after a three-year, I think it was, siege of Samaria, that's the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, God allowed them to be taken captive because they did not follow God's commands. But what do we, so Judah's left. Matter of fact, look at the last part of verse 18. There was none left but the tribe of Judah only. Judah alone was left. And what did Judah do? Verse 19, And Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel. Now I said I want to call this message, What commands should we follow? And the obvious answer is we ought to follow God's commands. Right? We ought to follow God's commands. As much as possible, we ought to live by the Word of God. Jesus said it, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. And the mistake, speaking very generally, the mistake that Israel made was they didn't obey God, they followed these heathen tribes around them. The Canaanites, all these different people around them. They followed them. They got in trouble. If you read the Old Testament, it's a big part of what the Old Testament's about. They got in trouble. They made alliances with them. The kings of Israel. You look at the, look at the list of the kings of Israel. Not the kings of Judah, but the kings of Israel. People like King Ahab, one of the wickedest kings that ever lived. They made alliances with, with these uh, heathens and heathen countries and all these kinds of things. And God sent them prophets. And we're not going to read it, but if you're looking at your text in 2 Kings 17, from about chapter 17, verse 13, and following, it, it says that God sent them these prophets and seers and warned them, warned Israel, Turn from these sins. Turn from these sins. Thank God for the preachers, the prophets, the seers that did that. 
But you know what? They rejected God's Word. All this is spelled out in verses 13, 14, 15, 16. Look in verse 16. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove, worshipped all the host of heaven, served Balaam, caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire. I mean, they disregard. God sending them preachers and they're disobeying the Word of God and God sends them preachers, faithful servants of God to proclaim the truth. They disregarded God's word and God said enough is enough. I'm taking them into captivity. The Assyrian army. The only ones left is Judah. What's Judah going to do? Look in verse 19. I just keep reading it but I just want to emphasize it. Judah didn't obey either. Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. Judah disobeyed God and followed the example and the statutes of Israel. Here's the thought, and I'm going to conclude with this. I think that's an explanation of where many people are going astray today. Number one, they're not committed to obeying God's word. They're not, they're not really, com listen young person, you know where you get God's word from? You say, well, I get it from my mom and dad, and I say, thank God for that. I get it from the preacher, thank God for that. I get it from the Sunday school teacher, thank God for that. But I'll tell you where else you get it. You get it right here. Amen. Why don't you get in this book and find out what the Bible says? People are going astray because they're disregarding God's commandments. But here's another way they're going astray. Not only are they disobeying God's commandments, but they're using professed believers' statutes as an example and following them. That's exactly what they're saying. Israel led the way. Israel led the way in rebelling against God. Judah, Judah could have kept obeying God, but you know what they could already do? They started doing what Israel was doing. And that's what I see people doing. And there's so many people who claim to be Christians that are standing for things and doing things and saying things that cannot be backed up in the Word of God and, we, and, and, and naive or simple people are saying, well, so-and-so's doing it. It must be okay. So-and-so goes to church. No, it's not okay. What does God say? So they're not, they're not following the world into sin. They're following those who profess to know the Lord into sin. That's what I see in this passage. Can you see that? Judah didn't just rebel against God. They said, we're, gonna, we're not going to do what God wants, but Israel's doing this, and we're going to do what Israel's doing. And I want to tell you, you can find every kind of belief, every kind of idea every kind of excused behavior you want to in some religious group or some church or some blog or somebody. They, well, they're not doing that. Why can't we do that? They're doing that. Why can't we do that? They're not, God didn't call us to obey those people. He called us to obey the Word of God. What does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not concerned about people. I'm 
concerned about people who aren't in church. I'm concerned about people who are in churches that are misrepresenting the truths of God. But I'm most concerned about the people in our church. And it would be a sad thing if someone in our church got way off track, not just because they're disobeying what God said, but because they're following the statutes that some Christian said was okay. You think it happens? Sure it happens. Let me tell you, you can find, you can find any... If you want to find somebody who has a, a much more lenient view, a casual view of worship, you can find those people. You can find those places. But because, listen, because someone claims to be saved, behaves a certain way, or acts a certain way, or does certain things, doesn't mean it's okay for you to do. I used to pull that stuff with my mom. Mom raised three boys. I was the middle one. Mom and dad were divorced when we were in junior high school. So she had the challenge of raising three sons, and my older brother David was a year, and, a year older than me. And uh, it was a challenge in those teenage years for Mama. You can imagine. Thankfully, she had one son that was virtually perfect. <laughs> I'll let you figure out which one that was. <laughs> and I can remember always pushing against Mom. She wanted to know who I was with and where I was going and how late I was going to be out. And where are you going to be? Give me a phone number. And I was always pushing against mom. Because I wanted, I wanted to be where I wanted to be. And if she wouldn't give me permission to go where I was going to go, then I would say I was going to be someplace else. I'm just telling you that's the way it worked. Because you can always find somebody, you can always find somebody that will sort of help you go that kind of way. You know what, young person? What we need is young people. I'm not just talking about teenagers, young adults, teenagers, young people, young marrieds who have a heart for this book and want to follow God. They're not interested in the way out. They're not interested in being popular. They're not interested in being cool. They're interested in being obedient to God. That's what Christians do. They're obedient to God. And we know this. You can, te you can teach animals to do tricks and you can make kids obey you and be in church when they're under your roof and you can basically say, you're either going to be in church or you're not going to eat or whatever. That'd give a guy a motivation to go to church. I like to eat. But if it doesn't get in their heart, then when, when they get old enough or they get out of the house, they're going to do what's in their heart to do. And, and I'm not saying that to alarm parents, but just to caution us. Just because if they're not getting it in their heart, you may be headed for a heartache and a heartbreak. And you, it's, you watch your kids. Watch them sing. Watch them. That's why I said something about have your Bible out looking at your Bible. How are they treating the worship? How are they, are, they, are they engaged? Are they listening? Are they caring? 
Wouldn't it be great if we just wanted to follow what God says? What does the Bible say? That's what we want. We want to be in the Bible. We want to do what the Bible says. And if we are going to get where we need to be spiritually, it won't be by following the statutes of men, whoever those men are. It'll be following the Word of God. What does the Bible say? Amen? God's view of sin hasn't changed. You wouldn't have had to... I mean, this, this is Bible. You could have preached this when I was a kid. But people didn't have to preach this kind of stuff when I was... You know why? Because, because this kind of stuff wasn't as crazy as it is today. But it's crazy now. And getting crazier. Right? Amen. Learn to love the Bible. Guys, learn to love the Bible. Obey the Bible. What does the Bible say? You say, well, what do my friends think? Forget about what your friends think. Think about what Jesus thinks, amen? And we ought to be a good example for them, parents. I've seen churches where pastors that I know personally, where churches who've been hurt because they're, they're, they're people, good people, Good people in churches like this, they start watching something or listening to somebody on the internet, following some yahoo, you know, that's teaching something that doesn't line up with the Word of God and it's popular. Well, let's get on board with that. Be careful. Amen? Amen.